0: Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobs.com for money saver tire and service deals today. Dobbs, with 43 locations, real deals are always close by.
1: This is the character and Smallman Podcast on 101 ESPN.
2: Hump Day! Woo! Happy
1: Hump Day! Seven oh one. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Michelle and Randy with you.
3: I'm, I'm dead. dead.
1: <laughs> one of the great commercials of all time right
3: it's so good so good and i haven't called a wednesday a hump day in a long time because our weeks have been so stagnant randy that it doesn't really feel like a hump day but today's a hump day
1: it is and we still don't have traffic we need to get in your car and drive down olive past our station it's right across the uh, street from uh, jaguar of st louis so just drive down the street and wave at us
3: yeah honk your horn we need, we need company yeah we do <laughs> you know i went out last night randy for the first mm-hmm. time in a long time i checked i was at a uh, sports and social the new uh addition to ballpark village mm-hmm. and it was so nice to be out just to see other people and be out that's
1: cool and, and it's a cool place right
3: it is such a cool place it is man while we have been stuck inside, they have not stopped working at Ballpark Village. That phase two looks amazing. They have, in addition to sports and social, which is such a great space, it's it's a much more intimate, kind of chill version of Ballpark Village. It's n- nowhere near the size, but you walk in, they have a bar in the front, a big bar in the middle, and then an outdoor space, which is spectacular, where they're going to have music and entertainment, and it obviously overlooks the stadium. And they have games in there, ski ball. They have bowling with kind of a bocce ball type mm-hmm. ball, which is really cool. Great food, great drinks, and then when you're standing outside on the patio, you look up, and the gym is right above it. They have that two-story gym. Then you look to your right. They have the hotel is there and ready to go with also a great little patio area. And then you look to your left, and the apartment building's basically done. I believe people start moving in there August 1st. Amazing. Amazing. It's a really, really nice little spot downtown. If
1: you get the opportunity to go down there, today would be a good day because the Fast Lane is going to be live at the grand opening of Sports and Social from 2 to 6, the newest sports bar in gaming parlor in ballpark village check out sports and social with a tex-mex themed menu plenty of games ample outdoor seating and a great outdoor bar and patio area it'll be a beautiful day for that too Mm -hmm. and it overlooks that new plaza at as michelle said and it's got a lot more the fast lane with ronj bt and anthony stalter at the new sports and social today from two to six and ronji's kind of well, he's antisocial. <laughs> He'll admit that. He he likes being at home on his couch. You are a social person. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned you went out for the first time in a long time. What was it like for you?
3: It was interesting because... Any space that I had been in, a public space, everyone had been wearing masks before, and some people chose to wear masks, but because it was a smaller amount of people and it was an outside component, everyone was kind of spaced out anyway. So to be, and everyone that worked there had masks on, they were, they were very careful with everything, which was so nice, it made you feel you know, safe and secure. But just to be near people outside was awesome. But I have to tell you, Randy, I'm standing there in this beautiful space. I'm having a blood orange margarita. Life is good. And then I look up and what do I see? An empty Bush Stadium. Yeah. And everyone that was there, we were talking and we're like, It feels so... It doesn't feel like it's summertime because there's no Cardinals baseball.
1: It's surreal.
3: It is so weird.
1: And the MLB Players Association yesterday tweeted and sent on social media unified messages to their members. Players from around the league reinforced their message of tell us where and when and we'll be ready to play. Travis Shaw of the Blue Jays joined a Spain and company on ESPN Radio.
2: I know a lot of people think players are greedy and I understand that argument. Not a lot of people want to hear about... People arguing over money, especially in the situation that we're in right now with the pandemic. But from the player side, we had an agreement in March. It stipulated exactly what was going to happen with our contracts. I know there's a little clause in there, but I think we both interpreted it different ways. And all the players want is whatever work they do to get paid for that work. We're not looking for anything more anything less, and if the owners can get on board with that, the
1: players are ready to go 100%. And Travis Shaw mentioned that little clause that both sides interpreted different ways. They might not interpret it different ways. Here's Jeff Passan. It
0: became abundantly clear yesterday that the owners want absolutely no business with a grievance for imposing a shorter season. Uh, Major League Baseball understands that even if it does delay, 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 and then impose a 48, 50, 54 game season, whatever it is in that range, that the Players Association is going to file a grievance that could have upward of a billion dollars worth of damages. And that is simply something that owners do not want hanging over their heads.
1: And from that perspective, Michelle, those owners that are saying it would cost us less to shut the season down than to play the season, if you have to pay a billion Mm dollars to the players because of a grievance, those owners wouldn't be wrong.
3: They wouldn't be wrong. But then I just keep thinking, if they knew all of these things were possibilities before, why didn't at the beginning of this, they come to the table with a different attitude? If you knew that a a billion-dollar grievance was a potential, if you knew, hey, we've also got the CBA coming up, if you knew all of these things existed, why did you put yourself in this position?
1: And some questionable, I won't say bad lawyering, uh, because I'm not a lawyer, but I would say some (laughs) questionable lawyering on the part of the MLB lawyers that sent the notes of the conversation back in March with to the executives of Major League Baseball where they said we talked about the idea that we would have to revisit negotiations if there weren't fans in the stands but they didn't get that in writing and MLBPA lawyers are saying we don't remember because they <laughs> didn't take those notes mm-hmm. well that's something that looking back the Major League Baseball lawyers should have gotten in writing that if we're going to play without the fans in the stands then will have to revisit this because they don't have it in writing. They don't really have many rights in this situation.
3: are you shocked that in negotiations with this much at stake that everything isn't recorded slash written down that that would even be a possibility that that could just go by the wayside?
1: My contract at 101 ESPN is more ironclad <laughs> than that.
3: It's yeah, unbelievable. But you're a very important asset, Randy. <laughs> they a need billion to make dollar sure you that you're locked down.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Yesterday, Jeff Passan was on first take and he said, hey, the owners are the only ones that can end this thing.
0: At this point, I think owners have to recognize that they are in a position where they need to be the ones who are bringing baseball back because the players are just sitting here saying, you tell us when, you tell us where, we'll be there. And that is an extraordinarily simple and powerful
1: message. And like I said yesterday... Players can say that, but the owners can say, okay, well, yeah, we'd love to have you there, but you, we've got this agreement. You have to promise not to file a grievance.
3: And do you think that will happen? No. I don't either.
1: No. Players, because they think they can win that. Totally. Grievance. So there's another questionable part of this contract. Can Rob Manford, without the threat of a grievance, really implement a season? Man.
3: This is just getting worse and worse day by day.
1: I think there's a really good chance that Rob Manfred is right that we might not have a season.
3: I know. I'm starting to believe him. I absolutely am.
1: (laughs) We also obviously lost the XFL season. And there was a great piece yesterday on the history, the the long and storied history of the XFL by Kevin Seifert at ESPN.com. One of the most interesting things about it was the incredible success relative to the rest of the league of... The St. Louis Battle Hawks and what Kurt Hun- Hunzecker and his staff did in terms of generating money for the XFL. It was crazy.
3: Absolutely crazy. When we had our final conference call about the L.A. game, heading into the L.A. game. Once we knew the season was on pause, we we all started, you know, talking to each other and, and getting some information. And they were basically at 40,000 tickets sold for that L.A. game and would have definitely surpassed it by the time kickoff happened. To think that you would have forty to 45,000 people in that dome for the third home game ever
1: mm-hmm.
3: is remarkable.
1: And now what they're talking about is under new ownership, having a pod system similar to what basketball and hockey are going to have. And I want to get your take on this because I they, they can say St. Louis Battle Hawks if they're playing in Orlando, but... That's totally non-tangible. It's one thing if I'm a fan of the L.A. Lakers, mm-hmm. and I know they represent L.A., and those players have been in L.A. before, or as a fan of the St. Louis Blues, if they're in Vegas, I know that they're my St. Louis Blues, because I've been in the building, I've seen them, I've, I've met the players, I've been in a parade with <laughs> those guys. But if the St. Louis Battle Hawks, who I don't know a single player of, are playing in a pod system... What really is my tie to them?
3: I think the problem here is that those other teams that you mentioned have equity in the community. They have been there for decades. They have equity in the community. They're as much a part of your community as your schools, all of these things, because they have been there so long. While we embrace the Battle Hawks and we absolutely loved the Battle Hawks, the whole point of that thing was to get in that building. It was the biggest party Mm -hmm. in the Midwest. You wanted to be a part of the environment. And we fell in love with the team. The team fell in love with the city. We had started to embrace all of the players, get to know the players. But we only had a handful of games. It's not enough equity in a team and in the product to care enough to watch it in a pod system on TV. The reason it worked in St. Louis was because of what they did in St. Louis.
1: If the league would come back and you partnered with the Battle Hawks, but I'm just talking from a fan perspective. If the league would come back under new ownership and play at the Dome, would you trust it? Could you invest in it like you did with (laughs) Cuckoo?
3: See, and that's, I think, the million-dollar question because Vince McMahon put hundreds of millions of dollars into this, so you knew he was invested financially and emotionally, everything. He wanted this to succeed. The people that he hired... To run this thing, Oliver Luck, Kurt Hunzacker here in St. Louis, he picked the right people. Mm-hmm. He hired the right people to run this thing. I don't know if, who the new ownership would be. It would. It, I would not have the same initial trust and the new ownership that I did in Vince McMahon, Oliver Luck, etc. to where I would give them the benefit of the doubt. Because even before we knew about the Battle Hawks and started loving the Battle Hawks, we thought, oh, Oliver Luck is in charge of this thing? Okay, that legitimizes it. That makes me think that this is not just going to be some gimmick. This is something that I can invest in, whether it's financially, emotionally, etc. Because I don't think that he is a gimmicky guy and that he would sign up for this if it's not something that he truly wanted to succeed.
1: And here's how far I would go. If Kurt Hunsicker was in charge of it here, if they would be able to get him back, and the games were played at the Dome. We, we don't have some silly setup where you've got the St. Louis Battlehawks playing at the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, and you're playing four games a weekend in that building. But if it's the St. Louis Battlehawks, and he is able to get his players engaged in the community and get his franchise engaged in the community, the community like he did, I think I could buy in.
3: If if Kurt's involved in any way, shape, or form, I'm
1: buying in. He knows what he's doing. He's a unique guy. (laughs) He is. And there aren't many people they could bring in that could provide that level of trust that I would give them in understanding our community that, uh, that I give him. Absolutely. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. And this is Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Coming up, I was out on the golf course at Fox Run yesterday. And uh, as I'm driving around between holes, and by the way, as I told uh, Dennis Biedenstein, the uh, head pro out there, I am approaching from woefully mediocre. I'm approaching mediocrity, Michelle. So I'm proud of myself. Congratulations. On on the golf course. Wow. But I also think a lot. And I was thinking about a baseball trade. And we're going to talk about it. And we want your opinions on it. So stick around. It's next on 101 ESPN. Swing and a miss and strikeout number 10. Swing and a miss. That's 11. 11 strikeouts for Jack Flaherty. Well, Michelle, as you know, I like to pretend that uh, I'm Bill DeWitt and I own a franchise and I'm worth $4 billion. Yeah. Who wouldn't want to? Yeah, really. I mean,
3: honestly, if you're going to pretend to be something, that seems like a pretty good route to take.
1: So yesterday I'm out on the golf course and I'm thinking, okay, Jack Flaherty has expressed his disdain for this entire financial process throughout the course of the, the pandemic and the lack of ability to get a, a deal and really didn't like the fact and has tweeted extensively about the fact that Bill DeWitt said that baseball relative to other things doesn't it isn't a profitable business mm-hmm. now Jack Flaherty I, I want to start with this is Great, may be transcendent, may be one of the great pitchers in Cardinal history. But we also have to remember that in two spring trainings with the Cardinals, he has forced them to automatically renew his contract before 2019, before 2020, and he's taken a $604,000 salary for this year. Derek Gould talked to Flaherty during spring training. He declined the offer a year ago so that he had on the record he did not agree with the value the Cardinals had set for him in the coming year. That set him up to make the argument during arbitration next year, which he will be eligible for. He said, this is Flaherty speaking. You're looking five years down the road. A lot of stuff can happen in five years. That is a long time, and at the end of the day, you get rewarded for it. The top-tier guys get rewarded. So here he is coming up on his age 24 season this year if they play. His highest similarity scores on baseball reference are Josh Beckett at age 23, Michael Pineda at age 24. He might end up being Max Scherzer, he might end up being Mark Pryor, or he might end up somewhere in between, like uh, a Josh Beckett's type. But we know whatever he becomes, he's thinking about free agency, that he's mm-hmm. going to go there. If He could be a free agent after 2022, depending on whether or not... Baseball players get what they want, free agency in less time, five years rather than six, or 23. He's already missed this season, and he very likely is going to miss 2022. If you're the Cardinals, you might get one more season out of Jack Flaherty. So, if I'm the Cardinals, Jeff Pass was on in the fast lane with us last year, and he said, if you're the Cardinals, do you do what the Rockies want for Nolan Arorado? They asked for Jack Flaherty. Last year, I said, absolutely not. As I sit here on June seventeenth of twenty twenty, Nolan Arenado right now is Matt Holliday in two thousand nine when the Cardinals traded for him. Same age, same numbers at Coors Field, same guy, middle of the lineup hitter, hard worker. If, if I'm the Cardinals after this season, and I want Nolan Arenado from the Rockies, and they ask for Jack Flaherty, I say, yeah, I'll do it. One, uh, not one for one, but you have to take Dexter Fowler too.
3: You're telling me that if the Rockies called you up and said, hey, you want Nolan, we want Jack. You say, yeah, I'm doing it. He's got to kick in Dexter, too.
1: I have. I just perf- want to make sure we're yeah. clear here. I have performance certainty, and I have financial certainty with Nolan Arenado. Like I said, Jack Flaherty was unbelievable last year, and may wind up being unbelievable. He could be Chris Carpenter, who, by the way, was injured for three years before he became great with the Cardinals. He could wind up being Jack Uh, Mark Pryor, who I remember Cubs fans coming up to me in 2003 saying, hey, would you trade us Pujols for Pryor? I said, no way. And they said, well, we wouldn't trade Pryor for Pujols either because Pryor was unbelievable in Mm -hmm. 2003. What did he become? And you might get 70 games. uh, uh, In the best case scenario, you might get 75 or 90 starts out of Jack Flaherty. You can get 150 games a year out of Nolan Arenado.
3: Randy, I respect you a lot. This might be the craziest thing you've ever said to me ever. I would do it. You would do it in a heartbeat. Yep. I
1: not a heartbeat. I, I put a lot of thought into it. <laughs> okay, but, great. But I would do it.
3: But I'm saying if they called you up right now and said you have five seconds to decide go, you'd say, "Yep, we're doing it."
1: I'm, I'm, I'm taking Arenado. Wow. Whew, I need to take a breather here.
3: I'm gonna steal a line from our friend John Mozeliak, the Pobo. Mm-hmm. The way, what he said about Dylan Carlson is the way I feel about Jack Flaherty. You're not getting him unless you pry him from my cold, dead hands. Randy, Matt Holiday, amazing Cardinal, amazing piece to a lot of success here in in Cardinals history. A a great guy, a guy that 10 out of 10, we would have gone back and done that deal. But isn't that kind of what we thought that Paul Goldschmidt would be when we brought him in? The kind of Matt, or excuse me, the kind of Matt Holiday type addition. We already have Paul Goldschmidt who's going to provide the leadership that you're looking for, Nolan Arenado. I know he's going to give you more time actually on the field than Jack Flaherty, but you use the word transcendent. We're talking about a 24-year-old kid that in the second half of last season has a .91 ERA, Randy. He gave up 10 runs and 99.1 innings. This is not a guy that you look at and say, oh, he's going to be great. This is a guy who you look at and say, it's not a matter of if he wins a Cy Young, it's when. We're not just talking hardware, Randy. We're talking a potential statue outside that building. And if I know anything about Jack Flaherty, the passion that he's exuding on Twitter is because he wants to play. He's frustrated at the situation because he wants to play. And I know that Jack Flaherty is a guy that wants to win. And just like Nolan Arenado, he's looking at the landscape of baseball, and he knows that his best chance to win is most likely in one of three places, and one of those places is right here in St. Louis, Missouri. So while I don't think he's going to take a home discount i do think that he recognizes it's in his best interest to get a deal done here in st louis because he wants the recognition and he wants to win
1: nolan arenado is an everyday player who through 2024 is due 35 million a year then 32 million in 25 and 27 million in 2026 after the 2023 season Three more seasons, 21, 22, 23. You probably don't play in 22. And he might become a free agent after 2022. Do the Cardinals give anybody, including Jack Flaherty, a Garrett Cole-type contract? Because that's what's going, what he's going to command. He is betting on himself because he believes that he's the best. If he winds up being what you think he's going to be, you aren't going to have him for more than two seasons of pitching anyway.
3: If I'm the Cardinals, I'm looking at the pandemic and I'm trying to use it to my advantage in these negotiations with Jack Flaherty. Your value when you stopped playing was X. Guess what? You've missed a lot of time. Guess what? The way that you're pitching is going to look differently. We're going to deploy you in a different way. Your value is going to look differently. Also, guess what? The Cardinals are a crown jewel franchise. They still will make a, mon- a lot of money. A lot of these other teams that have been looking at Jack Flaherty may be saying we'll pony up the dough for him. We'll make a run at him in agency what is their pocketbook going to look like at this time i think that the cardinals are in a better position with jack flarity than they were pre-pandemic and if i'm the cardinals and i'm jack Flaherty, i need to take a step back and say let's let's recognize what we have here in one another and let's potentially get a deal done
1: i, I would hope that that's the case but if i've seen one young player that is complete from his the time he showed up in the major leagues, he was focused on getting those six years and getting the money out of free agency. It's him, and that's my concern i if if I was convinced if I was the cardinals, if he had been amenable to negotiations at this point, I would be feel completely different. but he has shown no interest in negotiating with the cardinals and has been pretty honest about and I don't blame him for being honest. I think sure. it's great that hey, this is a money deal for me. There aren't any hometown discounts. When I become a free agent, the Yankees are going to be there and they're going to offer me a ton of money. He hasn't said that, but I have to believe that's what he's thinking. You're in it for the money. And if you're the Cardinals, not only do you have Dakota Hudson and for the next couple of years you're going to have Michaelis under contract, but... And you hope Carlos Martinez rebounds, but you've got Matthew Libertor, who's now your number 3 prospect. You've got uh, the left-hander that you drafted last year in Zach Thompson. You think that he has a chance to really be good. You have Hennessy's Cabrera, who has unbelievable stuff. So you've got young pitchers and Ryan Helsley that you can plug in. Do you have a guy that you project as a Jack Flaherty? No. But do you have... Five really good starters that if you have Nolan R playing at a third, you can say, I'm the best team in your division. Yes, you do.
3: But do you have the guy, Randy, that if you're going into a postseason game number one or a postseason deciding game that you know if you give him the ball that he's going to get the job done? Out of all of those guys that you just named, with all due respect, I don't trust any of them the way that I trust Jack Flaherty. Also, when we're talking about money... There is a price for what we like to call the intangibles. Let's think about Cardinals history, the rich lineage of Cardinals history. We have watched guys like Bob Gibson and Chris Carpenter pass it to Adam Wainwright. Adam Wainwright pass it to Jack Flaherty. He is the guy that is going to set the tone for this team. He's going to be the face of your franchise. Paul Goldschmidt, love ya, not the face of the franchise. And with Wainwright and Yachty out the door with that, tough mentality, that fire, it exists in Jack Flaherty. You need him to be on your team for so many reasons.
1: Cardinal lineage is why I would make this deal. Because McGuire passed it down to Pujols. Pujols passed it down to Holiday. You hoped that it was Paul Goldschmidt last year after a couple-year of gap where you really didn't have that guy. Nolan Arenado is that guy.
3: Well... I would like to assume he's that guy, Randy, but I don't know. We thought Paul Goldschmidt was going to be that guy, and while he's been a model Cardinal, he's certainly not the fiery Tony Larusa type attitude we miss. We talk about this all the time. The, Car- the this- Cardinals were in the NLCS last year, and people were heading into 2020 bummed out. And
1: why didn't they go into the get into the World Series? Offense because they couldn't hit. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> That's Michelle.
3: But you know why they got there, Randy? Jack Flaherty. <laughs> okay, why did they even get put in that position? Yeah, Jack, Jack Flaherty. Yeah, was
1: pretty, he was pretty good. <laughs> I'm not, hey, you, you have to give up. That's what makes it great. That's the question. One of, the, one of my favorite things for baseball trades, who says no? Uh, so I'm Mo. I call up Jeff Breitich. I say, Flaherty for Arenado. Who says no? Me. <laughs> I mean Bridge or Mo. Yeah. Uh, well one one calls the other and so, says so your so, uh, Bridge okay. calls Mo or uh, and says, Okay, I'll give you Arenado for Flaherty. Mo says no. And the tables are turned and Mo calls up and says, I'll give you for Flaherty for uh Arenado.
3: Brid- uh Bridich Bridich. says I'm faxing over the contract. <laughs>
1: That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Great to have you with us on 101 ESPN. We've got Take It or Leave It coming up. Tim Kurchin was going to be with us at 7.30. Now he's going to be with us at 7.45. So Tim will be with us. We'll ask him that question, too, coming up uh, later in the show. But Teoli is coming your way next on 101 ESPN. Michelle, would you buy that I got my time zones messed up?
3: Yes, of course. Okay.
1: So I thought that Tim Kirchner was going to join us at 745 uh, Central Time. He's actually going to join us at 845 Central Time. So I'm using it. So, he, so he'll be with us. So we want to react now to the conversation that we were having. Uh, the po- not possibility, the the fun. The, the, this is a baseball conversation. Would you trade Nolan Arenado for, or would you trade if you're Cardinals, Jack Flaherty for Nolan Arenado's tech 65780, uh, mic drops with the Rhino Shield mic drop. And all you need to do is download the free app, the 101 ESPN app. If you are. In the cardinal front office, and you're providing the social media posts of, for Flaherty. Like he <laughs> liked one where it said Bill Dewitt would rather buy real estate in Southern California than pay for talented players, which kind of way is kind of is a shot at his teammates. Uh, if you endorsed that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but if if you're Dewitt and you're seeing all of this, does that change your mind?
3: I don't think so. And in reference to this debate that we're having. If it's Flaherty or Arenado, I would hope that DeWitt would have someone on his team also print out a hard copy of the Denver Post where Nolan Arenado had some pretty interesting things to say about the owners himself. a reporter saying, I hope fans are paying attention. I hope they're seeing what's going on. So, yeah, while Jack Flaherty might take the younger approach and be popping off on Twitter a bit, throwing some GIFs in there, uh, being a little bit more consistent with his comments, Nolan Arenado has said the same thing publicly. In addition to trashing the organization that has given him a huge contract and supported him. So I hope Bill DeWitt has those comments as well.
1: I think he also has the comments that uh, Arenado during the pandemic was watching old highlights of Albert Pujols in a Cardinal jersey, Matt Holiday in a mm-hmm, Cardinal jersey mm-hmm. game six of the 2011 World Series and saying, that's awesome.
3: Yeah, I really hope he was also queued up to the Zoom sessions with Mike Maddox watching Jack Flaherty throw, <laughs> saying, I could give you four innings right now. I'm ready to go.
1: <laughs> Your text, 65780, <laughs> the Air Comfort Service, text line 65780. Uh, this from the 636. I agree with Randy. Jack clearly will ask for too much money and sign with somebody else because of what the Cardinals did to him. That's in those first two years where they made an offer. He didn't like it and turned them down, and they renewed him. Uh, But we've got this one also from the 314. Randy, step away from the devil's lettuce.
3: (laughs) Are you smoking the devil's lettuce? No, I don't
1: know. I stay away from the... I I don't puff the magic dragon. (laughs) No. Uh,
3: Randy, yesterday we had a conversation about... Major League Baseball and the viability of players, right? And uh, what did you say the age was where players start to drastically fall off a cliff?
1: The Production-wise? Yeah, the algorithms that the Giants are using are saying 29.
3: Oh, well, that's so funny because Nolan Arenado, Randy, checks in at 29 years old. He's 29.
1: And that's why if you... Use science when I say that he is Matt Holiday but plays third base at a gold glove level. We had Scott Rowland, Nolan Arenado. If he's not the best defensive third baseman in the history of the game, he's tied for first with another former Cardinal, Scott Rowland. So you've got a guy that at least through age 35, is going to be a stud, you know. And he's also, for all of those young outfielders that you have, he is a tone setter because he's just a spectacular leader.
3: Yeah, because that's exactly what Cardinals fans want—another big contract of a thirty-plus year old player whose production is dropping off. That's exactly what Cardinals fans want, other than a twenty-four-year-old pitcher who has his entire career ahead of him, who is literally the face of your franchise, setting the tone. It's
1: funny, people always said that about ho- Holiday. Oh, they, they they shouldn't have Holiday. They got rid—got to get rid of Holiday. Well, here's the thing with Holiday—he was a middle of the lineup hitter for a consistent playoff team. I mean, what more did you want? More—more uh, more text, than we're gonna get to your mic drops here uh, from the 636. Please tell me the text line is going bananas on you, Randy. I can't even. (laughs) That's from Kyle. Uh, And this one, you don't have financial certainty with Flaherty, but you can guarantee that he will be relatively cheaper than his actual value for the next three years. Arenado is basically at market value already. Also, a stud pitcher is more scarce than a middle-of-the-order bat. I would argue that that has changed. I think right now it's easier to find a stud pitcher than a middle of the lineup bat. The Cardinals have proven that to us over the last few years. And with where the baseball economy is headed, I don't know that you have cost certainty with Jack Flaherty.
3: That's true. For
1: and, the two years that you have him. and also
3: pitcher. you're talking about a bat that has seen a lot of great success at Coors Field. One of mm-hmm. the things we talk about with Nolan Arenado. How true are those numbers? What would he look like at Busch Stadium consistently? And again, I will keep bringing up. He's 29. Look at look at the state of Cardinal Nation right now. The best fans in baseball. That is exactly what we do not want or need. Is another aging player who has a huge contract. God, he's in
1: his prime. He's not aging. He's Well, he is aging. He is aging. We're all aging. It's, but it, I want to win now. I'm 57. I want to win now.
3: Me too, which is why I am so pumped that Jack Flaherty is the ace of this team.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Let's get to a mic drop on 101 ESPN. Stupid, stupid, stupid. No, don't ever make that trade. You don't give up Flaherty for Nolan Arenado. Oh, my God. Just stupid. See, and that, I go back to the argument with, the in 1976, the Tigers would not have traded Mark Fidrich. In 2003, the Cubs would not have traded Mark Pryor. Heck, three years ago, the Cardinals would not have traded Carlos Martinez. But the fact of the matter is, pitchers get hurt. And they aren't the same. If, if anybody had ever done what... Flaherty had done in the second half last year over the course of a career, I'd say, that's cool. Give me that. Mm -hmm. But nobody pitches like that. You've seen the best that Jack Flaherty will ever deliver over a three-month span.
3: Or it could just be the beginning of a consistently brilliant career. And Randy, there are two members of Cardinal... A history that I would defer to no matter what, and that's going to be Bob Gibson and Chris Carpenter. How many young Cardinals pitchers did Bob Gibson and Chris Carpenter identify so much talent and passion and star power in that they invested in him? They sought him out and said, we want to mentor you because you are going to be everything that we were and hopefully more.
1: See, and that's why he's going to be so unbelievably expensive at the end of the time that you have him. Smalls, Jack's leaving STL as soon as possible. Make the trade. That from the three one four. Uh from the three one four also. Don't forget Flaherty will have Tommy John and lose at least one season also. Because they all have Tommy John.
3: And he hasn't had a major injury yet.
1: No, he hasn't. Let's move to Eric who's with us with a mic drop on one oh one ESPN.
2: Why would we start at Nolan Arenado? Why not just go for the home run? Call the Angels, get Mike Trout. We'll throw in Dexter Fowler. They can throw in pool halls. It'll work out.
1: The reason that we didn't is because when the Cardinals had discussions last year with Colorado, that's what Colorado asked for, was Jack Flaherty for Nolan Arenado. And the Cardinals have a significant interest in Arenado. And by the way, the Cardinals aren't going to pay Mike Trout. If they, they aren't going to pay Flaherty, they aren't going to pay Mike Trout either. It's just not going to happen. That's not realistic. So this is something that, from a baseball perspective is because we're about 50-50 on the texts. It's really a difficult trade to either make or not make, I think. I, I, would, I would have trouble if I made that trade from both sides.
3: So would I. And I, oh, man. I just... There's no way that I could sleep at night, though, giving up Jack Flaherty. Knowing what he is and what he projects to be, I would roll the dice on that all day, every day. Especially looking at the way the Cardinals talk about Dylan Carlson. If Dylan Carlson is going to ascend to everything that you have billed him to be, I don't need Nolan Arenado. If I've got Goldschmidt, if I've got Carlson, I've got Flaherty, I'll take that trio all day, every day.
1: See, and I always like... And I know where you're coming from. I love the prospects. But if... I couch it this way. Give me the is for the might be every time. Nolan Arenado is. Dylan Carlson might be. Nolan Gorman might be. I want the is.
3: And I'll take Jack Flaherty's is all day. Uh,
1: (laughs) A couple of other texts before we get to Dylan with a mic drop. Uh, Randy, I would do your deal in a heartbeat. That comes from the 618. Also from the 618. Not no, but hell no. (laughs) And here's Dylan on 101 ESPN. I would trade Jack Flaherty for Nolan Arenado because season after season, time after time, Arenado has been consistently one of the best in the game while Jack Flaherty's had half of a good season while there's been plenty of other pitchers that's that's been given a lot of praise for being so good for a short amount of time and then they they fall quickly. Um so, yeah, just consistency-wise, I would go with Arenado. All right. Thank you, Dylan. Yes. <laughs> and these are back-to-back. This first one from the 314. 100% trade Flaherty. We have Hudson, Libertor, Thompson, et cetera. Trade Flaherty and get Arenado. And then from the 618, that would be like trading Bennington for Ovechkin. Now you have nobody stopping them from scoring. Jack isn't, uh, Jack isn't an every-year talent. He's that guy. Mm -hmm. So so those are back-to-back here on 101 ESPN. Should we do a poll? Yeah, sure.
3: Because it really seems like we're split 50-50 here. Yeah,
1: so would you trade Jack Flaherty for Nolan Arenado? It's that simple. We'll put it up on the Twitter machine. It's a good idea. On it. Next up, we're going to get to your text, 65780, on the Air Comfort Service text line. And take it or leave it. It's coming your way on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Carricker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We do welcome your text to the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780.
2: And for Teoli, here is Colin Surrey. Colin. All right, you guys. News came down yesterday that multiple airlines around the country are banning the sale of alcohol on their flights as the industry continues to try and minimize the risk of spreading the virus during the pandemic. So not being able to enjoy a tiny overpriced bottle of alcohol at 30,000 feet has ruined flights forever. Take it or leave it.
3: I'm going to leave it. It hasn't ruined flights forever, but it certainly makes them less fun. Isn't that part of the joy of going on vacation? As you settle into your seat, you say, yeah, I'll take a mimosa. Keep them coming. Absolutely.
1: So I think I'm I'm leaving it with you because there are people that are just incapable of sitting in that seat and flying without being, if not tipsy, a little bit drunk. Because that (laughs) helps them calm down. I'm not one of those people. But you have to allow people an opportunity to calm their nerves with a little bit of alcohol. You have to, right?
3: Have to. So I guess they're just going to have to do it at the airport bar before they board.
2: You sloshed when you walk onto that plane. It's dangerous. Dangerous game, Randy. (laughs) From the 618 on the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Why does it matter if we're going to trade anyone? We're not going to have baseball this year. Take it or leave it. Oh, I, I will take that we won't have baseball this year,
1: but we're going to have baseball at some point, and we need a hitter. And by the way, we're going to uh, people might wonder. Well, you're still going to have Matt Carpenter. Yeah, he's going to be your DH.
3: Randy, we'll have much more to say about this in the next segment, but I just. Uh I will repeat, you would have to pry Jack Flaherty from my gold dead hands.
1: By the way, I Cold would argue... Dead hands. Yeah, uh, I, I don't disagree. <laughs> right now, I would say that the best defensive infield in the history of the game is the 1982 Cardinals with Oberkfell, Ozzie, Wong, and Hernandez. I'd still probably go with them because Hernandez is the best defensive first baseman of all time, and Ozzy's the best defensive shortstop, but... This group would be just a sliver behind them with Arenado, DeYoung, Longer, and Goldie. Whew. Man. No no ground
2: balls are getting through that. This one from the six three six. Take it or leave it. Don't trade Flaherty because the season will be sixty games or less. A bunch of random teams are going to make the playoffs. Hell the Pirates were a half game out on last year's Memorial Day. Yeah. They they were, but it's the Cardinals are
1: random. The, the Cardinals are are good. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I don't think this is a deal that you can make during, you know, like once you start your three-week spring training. I don't know if that's a deal that you make. I think the, this is probably a deal that you make after the season.
3: I was just going to ask you, when do you start that line of communication? When do you pick up the phone if you're the Rockies and say, hey, so remember the conversations we had before times have changed. Let's let's reopen this this lane of well, communication here.
1: If If they call you, I think you have to... Say yeah, we'll uh, we'll absolutely entertain this. And then if, if if they sweeten the pot for you, if they'll take on more money, and they're going to have to take some more
2: some money on, but yeah, then you do it before the season starts. Take it or leave it. Roger Goodell would have handled MLB situation better than Rob Manfred. Ooh, Ooh
1: good one.
3: Ooh. <laughs> That is a that might be the toughest question we've been asked.
1: I'm gonna take it because I can not envision Roger Goodell under any circumstances saying that his sport is a disaster.
3: I'm gonna take it as well because as empty as I think Roger Goodell is and as many missteps as he's made.
1: As morally empty.
3: Yeah, as morally yeah. empty. My my whole point is he would definitely care about the money too. He wouldn't. Yeah. But Regardless of all of those things, he would never, ever let an opportunity like this pass his sport by. He would be dragging the players onto the field. He would be dragging the owners into the the negotiating table and dragging the players in there and making a deal happen, come hell or high water, because he understands that them being visible is the most important thing for their sport.
1: And that's why... Ultimately, the deal got done in 2011. They had a lockout during the offseason, but they got back for the
2: regular season. They made their money. Take it or leave it, the Cardinals get Nolan Arenado without giving up Jack Flaherty.
3: I'll take it, because I still think that's a possibility.
2: I do, too. I I think that is
1: a possibility. And I, I just threw this out there because I think it's an interesting baseball trade. And conceptually... It's an interesting trade from the Cardinals' perspective because do you trade a short-timer for a long-timer? That's basically what it is. Because I, as the owner of the Indian said about Francisco Lindor when asked about him at the end of his contract, enjoy Jack Flaherty for the next couple of years.
2: It was reported yesterday that ESPN's top college football broadcasting team of Kirk Herbstreet and Chris Fowler will slot in as the Monday Night Football booth if the college football season is delayed or canceled. This is a mistake. Keep Herbie and Fowler on college football and figure out Monday Night Football with NFL people. Take it or leave it. I'm
1: going to leave it
2: if it's... One or the other,
1: if they don't have college football and those guys are doing the NFL, that's great. It's kind of crazy on the part of ESPN, though, to not have an NFL Monday Night crew in place before the season starts, right?
3: Yes, I'm, and I'm going to leave this because Herbie and Fowler are such a part of college football to me. While I think that they would kill it in the Monday Night Football mm-hmm. booth from a tactical standpoint... I don't like to mix church and state. I want to turn on Saturdays and see Kirk Herb Street there. I don't want to turn on Mondays and see him there. They can I, do both. I understand they can do both, but I don't want them to do both. I don't want to oversaturate them. I don't want to overexpose them. I want to keep them in my college football, college game day bubble because that's where I'm used to seeing them and that's where I like them and that's where they excel. They're very talented broadcasters. Of course, they can actually do it, but I mean same thing with Joe Tess. I love Joe Tessator, but I like I can better on college than I do in the NFL.
1: Michelle, you were at the mothership. And maybe you can explain this to me. Why something that seems so easy, they can't figure out. If they can't get Peyton Manning, which they can't, they have Steve Levy, who's a great play-by-play man. Great. Who has great chemistry with a Hall of Fame quarterback in Steve Young. Why not just plug those two in on Monday Night Football? How how easy would that be? You've got two guys under the tent already.
3: It is very confusing. And I don't know I don't know why it's been so hard to find that that secret sauce, that magic combination for them. I think that the Tony Romo thing threw a lot of people for a loop because people didn't anticipate how great he would be. But I think that's kind of the problem with a lot of these booths and a lot a lot of these combinations is that people just want to throw a star player in there because of the name recognition, whether they're good or not. Because we've seen some guys who are very talented players get in the booth and they're not as exciting or not as entertaining. But
1: from what you've seen and heard of Steve Young, could you imagine him not being great?
3: I'm No, but I will see your Steve Young and I'll raise you Kurt Warner. I think they should have put Kurt Warner in well, that booth a long time ago.
1: Thing is, Kurt really likes the idea of showing up on Monday, not having to wear a tie. He, he shows up on game day, gets to the stadium at 2 in the afternoon, talks to a few players. You know, he's got his stuff on... All- it's that his Monday night radio gig is easy, mm-hmm. and that allows him to maintain the, the NFL Network presence, which he likes too, because he can do a lot of that from home. He only works sixty six days a year for the NFL Network.
3: That is nice, but. Let me remind you that that Monday night football gig is so sque- sweet that it took a 10-year, $100 million contract to lure John Gruden away from it.
1: Oh, right. Yeah, it's so great. It it's- is a
3: great and cushy gig. And while he would have to wear a tie, he's got an entire team of people surrounding yeah. him that is going to help him out and do things for him.
1: Yeah, it would be good. I just think that I don't think that Kurt wants to be away from the family that much. That's my impression. And he would be fantastic at it. There's no doubt. So
3: good. Yeah.
1: Thank you, Colin. Thank you, Randy. And thank you very much for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line at 65780. Our fresh take of the day. And we've got a poll up. Do you have the poll in front of you at the moment? I do, I think, Randy. I think that uh, my idea is getting killed here, but go ahead.
3: Um, so, at M. Smallman on my Twitter feed, we put up a, full, a poll. Question of the day. Would you trade Jack Flaherty for Nolan Arenado? We have about 500 people reporting in the 10 minutes it's been up. And... 25.4% said yes. 74.6% of people checking in say no. Wow. They would not move Flaherty for Arenado.
1: So you, you you would give up a middle of the lineup hitter for seven years for basically two years of pitching from Jack Flaherty, presuming there's a strike, and maybe one year of pitching. Maybe next year is the only year, because every time there's been a work stoppage players have gotten service time for their striker lockout and if players get their five years of free agency you might have 2021 that might be the only remaining season of pitching you get from jack flaherty but that'll be part of our fresh take coming up next on 101 espn that was the character and smallman podcast on 101 espn